the choice to customize your lifestyle is one that you have to make every single day. This is not like, okay, I'm just gonna customize my lifestyle, cool. And then you go back to living daily life. It's a decision that you make every single day to not settle for whatever you're given or whatever you can get. It's the choice every day to be able to say, I'm gonna go out and create my life. I'm gonna customize my lifestyle. I'm gonna do it today and the day after that and the day after that, even when it sucks, even when it seems like nothing's happening, even when things get hard, I'm gonna keep customizing my lifestyle. And so the quote that I wanted to leave you with, this is actually the first quote in my book. My book opens up with this quote. It's from Howard Thurman. And he said, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and go and do that. Because what the world needs is more people who have come alive. What's going on, beautiful people? Welcome back to the Thrive After Sports podcast. I know I've been MIA a little bit. I'm up to something. I'm working on something, all right? For those of you guys who don't know, I recently announced the Thrive After Sports collaborative community. That has been my primary focus right there. I've got some big things planned, which I can't announce yet. Um, but right now I'm just focused on building it out and inviting the people that I want to be in there. By the way, if you want to join the collaborative, check the link in the show notes. It'll be probably one of the first links. You just click, put your name in, set your profile up, and you'll be in there with access to current and former athletes, athletes turned entrepreneurs. Um, we've got some exciting things going on in the fall with a few universities who will be uh, enrolling their student athletes into the platform. So if you're a service provider, that's a great opportunity for you to get in front of current and former athletes. Uh, if you are a current or former athlete and you want some mentors or, you know, teammates to run with in life, that's the place to be. I'm telling you. So click the link, join the Thrive After Sports Collaborative, and I'll see you on the inside. This episode is uh, a workshop that I did. The title of the workshop is Customizing Your Life After Sports. Uh, it's a workshop that I hosted through Athlete Soul. I hope you find it beneficial. Uh, thank you for all of you guys who tune into the show week after week, even when you know I go a few weeks or even a month sometimes without posting. Like I said, the community is my primary focus right now, but I want to put some effort kind of going into this second half of the year uh, to get more podcast episodes back out. And yeah, join the community. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your reviews. Thank you for spreading the word about Thrive After Sports, about the community and um, the coaching programs. Uh, just really appreciate you guys. And I'll see you on the very next episode. Peace. You know, I'm going to text you about that later. Mr. Tage, Mr. Tage, what it do, man? Not Tage. Don't hit you. me with the Tage. <laughs> it's good to see you, bro. Good to see you, I've too, I've been here man. in class with these, these little youngins. Yes, Oliver. All right, let me. <laughs> well, thank you, everybody, for being here. Um, you guys bear with me. You guys know I get a little bit into the weeds so i'll do my best to try to keep it on track i actually made notes for myself this time so we should be pretty good at staying on track but uh just to get started i want to introduce everybody to jaleesa bell um jaleesa is a former client of mine i want to say we i know it was around the holiday or before the holidays last year was it like october that we finished working together jaleesa something like that okay um and we we've started not started we've stayed in touch ever since then. Like we talk probably once a week, maximum once every two weeks. We've been on each other's podcasts. Um, Jaleesa is probably, I've worked with a lot of people over the past five or six years. Jaleesa is probably uh, a client that I talk to and keep in touch with the most. So I thought it was only right for my first time hosting one of these on behalf of Athlete Soul to bring her to this call. By the way, Jaleesa, do you want to tell everybody that the exciting news that you texted me about on Monday Absolutely. Okay. So 
for those who, yeah, I'll just quick introduction. Um, I just finished up a master's degree at Temple University, and I found out a couple weeks ago that I just got hired at the University of New Mexico. So blessings have rolled in for me, and I'm just happier than ever. Boom. I can, I was, you made my whole week with that news when you texted me on Monday. So congrats. Well-deserved. I know you've been hard at work networking thank and you, you know you. trying to make it happen. So congrats to you. Let me just let a couple of these uh, other people in. Um, also, Jalisa, can you, you tell the story better than I do. You know, we ended up working together on a scholarship through Athlete Soul, which was a blessing. Thank, shout out to Miriam. Thank you, Miriam, for that. Um, can you tell people how we connected. I think it's kind of a cool story because it was totally by accident. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so first of all, excuse my inability to type in this chat because I can't spell <laughs> ever. Um, so my first year as a grad student at Temple, our program was like, oh, you know, we we're sponsoring you guys to go to the SYNC conference down in uh, Washington, D.C. And in my head, I was like, that's kind of for our second years. Like, I don't really know if I'm going to go. And my friends were like, no, 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 like, let's just go, like, let's just go hear them talk. Like, let's go view these different panels. So I was like, okay. Uh, we went down there, went through, I think it was like a day and a half or so of panels. And I kept circling the ones that I really wanted to go to. And it happened that they were talking about the student athlete transition. And Taj was speaking in one of the panels. And in my head, I was like, okay, I need to see this panel. I don't know what it's going to take. I have to not be tired because I want to focus on this panel. And so after that, um, I watched, I like listened to them and I loved everything that they had to say. We go back to Philly. We're sitting there and I was like, you know what? I should reach out, make this connection. Worst thing happens. I don't hear anything back from Josh. So I was like, I don't know what to say to him. Um, he probably has no idea that I was there in this crowd because it, he was like over Zoom. And so I was like, Again, worst thing that can happen is I don't hear back from him. So I reached out and I was like, hey, like, just really want to pick your brain. This is kind of the um, space I want to get into. And sure enough, he reaches back out and he was like, yeah, like, let's get on a call. Let's do this. And he was like, here's this program. Um, like, let's go through it. And next thing you know, I'm in an eight, eight week program that I had no intention on doing. But it is truly like given me the ability to turn my life like full 180 and like take off from there. So meeting Taj at a sync conference was very unexpected, but one of my favorite things ever. Yes, indeed. Serendipity. Like I said, I wanted to ask you too, Julissa, what was the biggest thing that you would say you took away from going through our time working together through Athlete Soul? There's lots of things. I could probably do an entire podcast <laughs> on, on everything I took away. But of course, one of the things that I think we not only talked about from the jump, but something that even after we finished and up to a couple of weeks ago, I've still been asking you about, which is like customizing your lifestyle. And the first time you said that to me, I was like, what does that even mean? Like customize your lifestyle. Like it kind of just life happens as it happens. And you were able to like break down that door of you get to choose and like pull together all these different pieces of what you want your life to be and like what you want to aim towards. And there's just, there's so much to say. And I have to say this cause I have to steal it from Taj before he says it. But oftentimes when we talk about this concept, he always brings up um, 
customizing your lifestyle is like creating a player in a video game. And not only do I want to take that concept and add to it, I want to express to everybody how visual that was for me and how transform transformative it was because seeing it in that kind of light, it's like, okay, I get to not only choose the skills I want to develop, but I get to go based off of what I've always wanted to do and how I want to work to get there. Not just, oh, you know, here's Taj in the space. Here's A, B, C, D on how to get there. He was like, no, what do you want to do? What are your strengths? How do you want to build towards that? So in addition to creating your own player, you also get to put yourself in your own environment. And what I mean by that is like, there's more to life than just, okay, what can I put out, but what can I also take in? And a big part of the environment you put yourself in is the community you surround yourself with. And if you've heard my podcast, Chime In with Jalisa, then you know that I am always, always, always talking about building a community and putting yourself around the right group of people that not only pour into you, but that you also get to pour into because we don't have to do life alone. And I went through... Uh, probably eight to 10 years thinking I had to do life alone and I don't. And it's really nice. Hmm. Well, okay. For everybody here, Jaleesa also has a podcast. So I definitely encourage you to support her. She actually recently started it, but thank you for sharing that. Just, I'm glad that that was one of the biggest things that you took away from us working together because it just so happens to be a coincidence that I'm going to talk about customizing your lifestyle today after you're done playing. So most of us here, we're already in places i'm looking around the room like we've all pretty much customized our lifestyle so i'm really i'm speaking to you guys but more so for maybe so uh maybe current athletes or people who are going through that transition who may be watching the recording um but i'm probably going to lean on you guys for real life experiences the concept of customizing your lifestyle that comes from uh, i had an uncle a very wise uncle he passed away when i was in high school but um some of the lessons that he was teaching me never really sunk in until i was in my early mid-20s he would send me books. He would write me letters. And he was like, yeah, this is, this is cool. I'll get to this book eventually, but you know, I'd rather uh, play PlayStation or something like that. But you know, over the years, I started reading the letters, reading the books. And one of the things that he told me at a, a family function one time was that uh, when you get older, and I don't even remember what he did for work, to be honest with you, but I know he was a really happy guy and he loved what he did. And he said, when you get older, try to strive to customize your lifestyle to the point where you don't know whether you're working or whether you're playing. Um, he said, one of the best things you can do in life is wake up every day and get paid to be yourself. And once again, as a kid, that doesn't really sink in, but you get into adulthood, you know, you work a few jobs that you hate or you don't enjoy. And you're like, wow, that would be great to be able to wake up and get paid to be myself every day. So I never like to start a workshop without kind of surveying the room a little bit. Uh, I know some of you guys aren't on video, which is, which is okay. I know you guys are all busy people, but can you give me like a thumbs up or something? If you've ever been in a situation where you hated your job or you wanted to make a career change, uh, maybe you're in that situation right now, or you just feel like I, I have to do something. I just don't know what's next. You know, um, maybe you're in a situation where you want to, you want to do something, you know what you want to do, but you just haven't acted on it yet. Okay. Pretty much everybody. All right. Um, so, and I know a lot of the time, like I said, some of you guys may be there now, but for most of us, that happened probably within the first few years of retiring from our sport, right? So because of that, you're definitely going to appreciate what we talk about today. I do want to encourage you guys to take notes. Like I talk fast. Shout out to Kim. That's why I have multiple chapters. 
There we go. Um, I do. I I grew up in LA and I went to school in New York, so I talk really, really fast. So bear with me. But I want to encourage you to take notes for that reason because, you know, over the next forty-five minutes or so, I may just say one thing that makes a huge, huge difference for you. It could be one thing. You're like Taj was all over the place, but he said one thing that really, you know, really hit me right in the chest. Um, the problem is, I know a lot of you guys will probably resonate with this, is that when we retire from our sport there's this sense of urgency because we lose our identities. There's a sense of urgency to try to attach ourselves to something as quickly as possible. We want to feel, we go from being a part of that, you know, tight knit group to, okay, now I'm kind of a lone wolf and trying to figure out, figure it out on my own. I have to just find something, you know, I want to be able to say I'm adulting. I want to be able to say I have a job. One of the hardest parts for me was, you know, going to, going to like holiday parties with family and people asking me, so, you know, you graduated. Um, are you going to, you have a professional shot? Nah, I'm not going to the NFL. Oh, so what are you going to do? I don't really know yet. And I would just say, you know, I'm kind of looking for jobs. I'm just looking for stuff. And I think that what that does is it kind of puts us in this place of, um, like I said, just scrambling, right? There's a sense of desperation. The, you guys, these are there's so many good people in here. It's like, I want to read the comments. I'm going to have to close the comments because I keep reading you guys dropping gems on here. So I'm saying I'm close, closing the comments for myself so I don't read them and get distracted. You guys keep commenting, please. Um, but a lot of times what happens when we're in that period, I know for me, a lot of people would tell me like, oh, you should get into sales or, you know, have you thought about coaching? And it's it's kind of all these... I want to say stereotypical athletic careers. And there's nothing wrong with sales by, by any means. There's nothing wrong with coaching. There's nothing wrong with working in an athletic department. Jaleesa just got a job in an athletic department. The problem is a lot of us and a lot of people who come to me, and I know a lot of you guys work with athletes too, people will come to us and they just assume that they know what they want to do because they don't know anything else, right? They're kind of, you're kind of stuck in the comfort zone of, well, I want to be a coach because it's all I know. All I know is the game. So I just want to stay around it. Some people are meant to be coaches and make phenomenal coaches. Some people would better serve the world if they started to look outside of the box of their sport and started to think, what else can I do? Same, things, uh, same thing applies to sales or you know, um, working in an athletic department or coaching. Like For me, people told me I should get into sales because I'm a competitor, which is true. And a lot of athletes kill it in sales. But if you're going into it just because someone told you you're a competitor and you're going in it just for money, then that probably will not sustain you long-term. Um, we're all the type of people where we can have success anywhere at anything we do. But just because you're good at something, that doesn't mean that you should be doing that, especially for the rest of your life. You know, like, I like to use the analogy of a bowler. Was anybody, nobody was a professional bowler here, right? <laughs> look, okay, good. All right, so we all, we all didn't, we can agree we weren't bowlers. So the analogy I like to use is like, Back to athletes can, you know, climb the ladder and be great anywhere we go, but it doesn't mean that we're supposed to be there. Is if someone came to us in the middle of, you know, whatever we played, soccer, football, baseball, basketball, someone came to us and was like, hey, I know you really love this sport, but I think you should really give bowling a shot. Anyone on this call could have killed it because of our athletic mindset. We could have become professional bowlers. We might be at the top of the field in bowling right now. But that just ties into the analogy of just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. I could have been a great bowler, but I, I don't really like bowling enough to have pursued it, not more than football. So the same thing applies in the business world, right? It's not just 
when we talk about the ladder and I'm using the ladder as a metaphor, a lot of people talk about the corporate ladder. You have to look at where your ladder is leaning. That's what I'm really trying to get at right now. You can climb the ladder all day, but where is your ladder leading to? I remember being in a job and kind of uh, one of my first jobs out of college, it was, it was a sales role and I was getting promoted and having a lot of success, making good money. But then I started to look at my managers and I was like, I'm climbing the ladder, but the ladder is leading to where they are and they don't seem too happy. And I don't really see myself being in their shoes, doing what I'm seeing them do on a day-to-day basis. So then I started to kind of pivot and adjust. And sometimes that happens to us in business, not just with the job, right? I'm sure pretty much everybody on this call has some sort of business, either they have had for years or they're just getting it started. Sometimes we start things and it's like, why the hell did I start doing this? You know, and I'm not talking about the normal questioning yourself in business. I'm talking about maybe you started something just because you wanted to make money or another reason or, you know, ego, whatever it is, but we didn't stop to vet ourselves to see uh, if that was the right path for us. So, oh, I keep reading the comments. Um, so what this comes from, as you guys know, is there's um. Now, some people are blessed. Some people are really lucky where they come out of their sport and they know exactly what they want to do. We've all seen those people. To me, those people are like special. I'm like, how did you know with all the time that we spent, you know, in practice and film and games and travel, how did you know exactly what you wanted to do? Like at 18 or in your early 20s, how did you know? And you're still doing that thing and you love it and you enjoy it. Because as we all know, so many of us, that's not the case. And I think that a lot of that comes from a lot of the, the lack of clarity, of course, just comes from simply we don't have the time, right? And so that's why I always encourage people once you're done competing, all you have is time right now. Like now you have time to figure it out. So use the time wisely. And even though it may be uncomfortable, you have time to find clarity. As I like to say, cultivate clarity. And I'm going to talk about what that means because it sounds good in theory, but how do you actually cultivate clarity? What I want to start with, though, is just a couple of signs And some of you guys, like I said, you may be in this situation right now. So this is good that you're here today. This is how you know that your ladder may be leaning up against the right, the wrong wall, I should say. Uh, And you may need to make a career change or some sort of pivot, at least. The first thing is that there's a clear separation between your work and your life. You know when you're working and you know when you're looking at the clock and you're like, all right, is it five o'clock yet? Or is my shift over? Or you know, you're just waiting for the end of the day for you to be done working so that you can have the freedom to be able to live your life. Or you feel like you have to be someone else. That's a big one too. I spent a lot of times in roles where I feel like I, I felt like I wasn't able to be myself. That's one of the things why all of you on this call, we've collaborated in some way, shape or form, because I like working with and interacting with people who are like me. We all have a go-getter spirit. We're all trying to strive to be the best at what we're doing. When I was in certain roles, I just felt like I was you know, a fish out of water. Like I'm the only one here who has this drive, you know, who wants to stay late or who's like studying to be better at this role where a lot of people who don't have the athletic mindset like us, a lot of people are just there to collect the check. And that's a weird feeling. And people might be kind of looking at you weird, especially when you're just entering the workforce as a young person, or you just finished your career. It's a really weird feeling. The other thing, the last thing I'll say is you get the Sunday night blues. That's a huge indicator. I had Sunday night blues for many, many, many years. It's a terrible feeling because you only have two days. You only have the weekend to be able to relax and recharge. 
So Saturday, it goes by like this. Next thing you know, it's Sunday. And as soon as the sun sets on Sunday, you get the Sunday night blues. You're almost mentally preparing yourself. You feel it in your body. There's like this tightness and like angst of I'm going back into uh, it's a battle almost <laughs> like a battle against myself, a battle, you know, in a um, being in a situation where I feel like I'm not able to be myself. So I say all that to say there's a, a misalignment there. Alignment looks like what many of us do. Many of us have businesses where we feel very aligned, even if it's not the main or the only thing you do yet, you know, you're working to sustain yourself to continue to do the thing that makes you feel aligned. Like I feel very aligned right now. This is not work for me, you know, and I've done, I've made just as many of you have made many sacrifices over the years to be able to be in a position where I can do what I enjoy doing full time. Um, so I'm not saying don't do what you need to do to pay bills or, you know, work part-time jobs or things that you don't enjoy, but always have something that you're focused on that will motivate you when you're at the place, the place that you have to be so you can get to the place that you want to be. That's, that's a crucial ingredient in customizing your life. Now, here's what most people do. And I, I strongly recommend against this because I've done it myself and it's not, a, it's not a good strategy. When you feel stuck or when you feel lost or when you're trying to customize your life so that it better suits you, a lot of people, they will hit the job boards. Okay, I don't like this job. So I'm going to go on LinkedIn. I'm going to go on Indeed. I'm going to see what's out there. I'm going to see what I'm qualified for. I'm going to see who's hiring. That's not a good strategy because what's really happening is there's an internal, there's something missing internally. And when you look on job boards for you know a, a job posting to try to tell you what you're supposed to be doing, you're looking externally to try to solve an internal challenge that you're having. So, and then you find yourself in situations where you're, you're coming from desperation again, because you're not looking for your, you know, your true path, your North star, you're looking for, I just have to get the hell out of what I'm doing right now so that I can stay sane. So that's why I want to encourage you, you all who are here and all everyone who's listening to the recording is just to really start internally. And I'll talk about that um, in a little bit about what that looks like and give you some strategies about how to do the internal work so you can have more clarity and more precision when you're looking externally for what you need. I actually did a workshop um, probably like six months ago. And I don't know where this came from. I just, it just popped into my head. And I, I was saying that most people choose their careers or their jobs, the same jobs or careers that people stay in for, you know, 15, 20, 30, 40 years. They choose that path with like the same level of intention that they choose the outfit that they're going to put on in the morning. And it's not very intentional at all. For me, I'm just wearing black and white t-shirts and I'll throw a hat on to cover up the bald head. Right. I think our, uh, our, um, our careers or our life's missions deserve a little bit more uh, focus and attention and time put into them than that. Because, and not to get super cheesy and woo woo on you guys, but that's where I'm going right now. So whatever. We're all, we're all here to do something special. And what I mean by that is, you know, this is not a Disney movie. What I mean by that is that all of us can only do what we do in the way that we can do it. Sometimes I like to use the, when I'm, when I'm working with clients, I'll use the analogy of a personal trainer because people will be like, oh, I want to do this, but oh, everybody's doing this. I think, Jaleesa, you brought this up just at the beginning of the call. Like, oh, I want to help athletes, but so many people are helping athletes. I use the analogy of a personal trainer because there are personal trainers at every gym in every city around the entire world. And they all have clients because every trainer 
bring something different to the table. So even if you want to do something that someone has already done, you have to look at it as how can I put my own unique spin on it to where people will, um, they don't, they're not going to look at it as, oh, everyone's doing this. They're saying, I like the way that person does that thing. Many of us here, we work with former athletes and there's a reason why not one person just works with all the athletes because all of us, we connect differently with different people. So I want to, I want to read you one last thing. And then we'll move on to some tips and strategies. So I want to read you something from my book that really drives home the point of what I'm talking about when it comes to almost how we've been conditioned to think about work. So, uh, so I wrote, most of us have been blindly conditioned to believe that work is something we're required to do. And because of this, we don't necessarily need to enjoy it. That's why we say things like, I have to go to work instead of I get to go to work. We see work as something we engage in only to make money. And if it weren't for the money, we wouldn't do it in the first place. Even the very concept of retirement alludes to the fact that we're doing something with a massive chunk of our lives that we wouldn't do if we really had the choice. Too many people give and receive praise for grinding, pushing through, and emptying the tank day after day after soul-sucking day. If you find yourself waking up in the morning trying to motivate yourself to keep doing things you hate doing, you're not grinding, you're wearing yourself out. Was such a significant portion of our lives spent working, shouldn't we at least make an attempt to find or create work that's enjoyable? I'll just stop right there. By the way, shameless plug, for those of you guys who don't have my book, please grab this book. Okay. You can grab it on Amazon. You can grab it directly from my website if you want a cheaper copy. Um, and I know all of you here. So if you just want a free copy, I'll at your boy. I'll get you a free copy. Um, you know, something that Thank you, Kim. I appreciate it. Your book is great too. I've read it several times. I've actually given Kim's book away to people. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, grinding. So I would, I would change that. Actually, I wrote that book a few years ago. Someone told me the other day, don't grind, glide. I'm a, I'm a sponge for this type of stuff. I implement, implement that stuff into my life. They were like, if you're grinding, you will grind yourself. What is grinding? Like You could grind yourself into dust. If your car is grinding, you're going to need a new car soon. All right. So don't grind, glide. That was, oh, let me let someone in. That was a banger. So I had to share that with you guys. Maybe you guys can share that on threads. I just got on threads today. <laughs> like I needed another social media platform to distract me, right? But uh, so, all right, now let's get into some of the, the strategies. Now that I've talked to you guys to death about why you shouldn't do things you don't enjoy. Um, the best thing you can do when you feel lost or you feel stuck or you feel like you need to make a pivot or you need to recalibrate is to just stop, just stop and pause and reflect and think about where you're going and think about what you don't like. Cause sometimes it's easier to think about what you don't like before you can figure out what you do like, right? The power of the pause. I like that, Kim. That's strong. I like that. I'm stealing that one too. Uh, so you start internally, you take a pause. And then one of the things that I highly recommend is thinking about how you can build a career around your lifestyle um, instead of trying to live a life when you're not working. That's, that's something that we're not taught to do. We're taught to, okay, you need to go, you need to earn money. So you need to go get a job. And then, hey, when you're not working, then you can relax. But what if you approach it from a standpoint of, okay, what do I actually want my life to look like? What do I, what I want to be doing from the time I you know, wake up in the morning to the time I go to sleep? And how can I implement that into my search or, or my, uh, my cultivation of, you know, clarity of the direction that I really want to go. Right. Um, 
it's it's really harder it's really hard to do that in reverse like if you're already in a situation where you're working you can't really you just have to have a lifestyle when you're not working right so to give you an example um uh, you know thinking about how you want to live versus what you want to do one of the things that i knew early on not early on probably like 5 years after i graduated one of the things i knew is that i didn't want to have to sit in traffic every day I was fed up after five years of like, you know, an hour one way, an hour on the way home, sometimes an hour and a half. I was like, okay, whatever I do next, it has to be remote 100%. And that's not for everybody. Some people need to be around a team and be in an office and be around people. For me, I was like, what, when I customize my life, this next thing, I'm not sitting in traffic. And this was way before the pandemic. This is like 2017. I was like, I refuse to sit in traffic anymore. And that level of clarity broke me out of this cycle of just jumping into the same job under a different roof. I know some of you guys know what I mean. You're like, okay, this place sucks. I need to leave. I'm going to go find something else. Anything is better than this. But then, you know, we're athletes. So we get good at it. Then you get bored or then you start to think this is repetitive. This is boring. I feel like I'm not growing. I'm tired of being micromanaged, whatever it is. But instead of like really recalibrating and making your next move, your best move, you just go into something else and repeat the cycle. So starting to think that way really broke me out of that cycle. So I want to encourage you guys to really think about the lifestyle component. There are many different um, components of lifestyle too. It's not just, do you want to work remotely or, you know, in office or hybrid lifestyle could be, what is the maximum amount of hours that I'm willing to work per week? You know, I started doing career coaching recently with, um, I call them civilians, just as a joke, non-athletes. <laughs> a lot of people are, are frustrated because they work so many hours. And that's a conversation that kind of needs to be had with yourself first. But then also when you're going into, when you're like interviewing for a role, you got to know, like that has to be a conversation. There are people who are taking work home on the weekends. People are working 70, 80, 90 hour weeks, which is nuts. I mean, when do you even, when do you sleep, you know? So lifestyle, there's a lot of components of lifestyle. And if you really spend time, write it out, think about what do I want my life to look like, that will give you a more narrow focus um, of the type of opportunities you're going after. If you don't do that, I call it, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I call it running from the nightmare without having a dream. You have to have both. What I was doing for so long was running from a nightmare, the nightmare of sitting in traffic and having to put on a suit and tie every day and sitting in a cubicle and I only get 30 minutes for lunch. So I'm rushing around and I have to, you know, I can't wait till it's five o'clock so I can go home and just, you know, put my feet up and relax. That's running from a nightmare, which is fine. Let that, let that push you, but you need something pulling you too. You need a dream. The dream will allow you to move faster than just running from something and move faster with more clarity. So a great way to start crafting the dream is simply to ask people, to ask people around you, the people who know you best. Um, I want to encourage you guys to write this down right now. Maybe, you, you know, if you don't use it yourself, you can use this for your clients or something. But something that helps a lot of people that I work with find clarity is this, this concept that I call who, what, and how. And everything that we do in life comes down to who, what, and how. Who am I serving? How am I serving them? Uh, and, and what am I, I, I switched that up. Who am I serving? What am I doing to serve them? And how am I serving them? The thing about that, and I'll break each one of those down, is that that allows you to be both 
selfish and selfless at the same time. Who is purely about the person on the other end? So if you work with former athletes, who you serve is former athletes. What you do, that could be a lot of things. You could help them with mindset. You could help athletes with um, you know, physical performance. You could help them with transition, career, uh, relationships, whatever it is. That's the what. The how, this is where you get to be selfish. The how is all about you. Some people want to help athletes by coaching, you know, actually coaching teams. Some people want to do life coaching, career coaching, which many of us do. Um, and take that opportunity to be selfish, you know, and it doesn't have to be one thing. You can, you can have many different who's, what's, and how's, but it's important to have those categories clearly defined because that's, that's what ultimately will help you, um, you know, with cultivating your clarity and figuring out where you want to go. So as an example, before, you know, way before uh, athlete, I'm, I'm really glad that athlete mental health and athlete transition is in the, in the conversation now. And, you know, over the past, let's say five years, it's really started to blow up. Right. And it'll be even more so in the next five to 10 years. Um, but there was a time where I didn't see too many people who were helping athletes before I came across Miriam, before I came across many of you guys, I felt like I was, you know, there wasn't like a blueprint to say like, okay, this is how you do it. So the who, what, and how was what really helped me. I was looking for something to get me outside of that cycle of nine to five. And the who was like, okay, I want to help people who went through what I went through a few years ago. Cause that was traumatic just being like lost and you know, all the things that come with transition. And then the, what was of course, helping them with the transition. And then the, how was being selfish just to give you an example of how I was being selfish with that was, okay. I know that I want to work remotely. Um, I know that I don't want, want to work at a university because I would have to be there physically. And I know that I don't want to do Zoom all the time unless someone wants to do Zoom. Like I prefer doing phone calls because I'm on the go a lot so I can coach someone while I'm driving. So I put my structure together and that's what I'm encouraging you to do. Spend a lot of time on that. Of course, the who and the what, but spend a lot of time on the how also because that will, I mean, I, I can't say enough about that. The other thing that I find really helpful when you're looking, when you're at a place of trying to find clarity or, you know, customizing your life is something that I call, I call it three by three. What that means is you ask the three people in your life who know you better than anyone. It could be, you know, spouse, sibling, uh, parents, best friend, anybody. And you ask them, you ask those three people and it could be more, but just for the sake of, you know, having something catchy, I call it three by three. So ask three people, three questions. The three questions that you ask those three people who know you best are one, what are my strengths? That's pretty basic, but stay with me. Two, what are my weaknesses? The third question is the most important question. The third question is how do you envision me making a contribution to the world? So you ask those three people, let's start with strengths. That's obvious. You kind of want to know how the people who know you best see you and envision you. Right. How do, what, how do you see me? What am I good at? And it doesn't have to be limited to career. You just want to kind of let them spitball and just freestyle whatever comes to mind. Like, cause some people, when you ask them that question, they'll say, well, what do you mean your strengths? Like how, like, what do you mean? Just, just tell them, don't overthink it. Just tell me, what do you see me just as a human being? What are my strengths? All right. Then weaknesses. You're not looking, you're not asking about your weaknesses for the sake of necessarily going and trying to fix all those things. Cause sometimes in my opinion, sometimes it's better to just focus on what you're good at than try to fix all your weaknesses. You know, there's a lot of things I'm not good at and I'm not going to spend time because I'm just focused on the things I am good at, but it's good for you to know, or at least have the awareness because some of those weaknesses you might want to work on. 
So it's better for people to tell you who know you what your weaknesses are. One of my favorite sayings is that it's hard to see the picture when you're in the frame. So doing this exercise kind of lets people know who are looking at you in the frame, what they see. The contribution, this is by, by far the most important question. Really the first two arguably are just leading up to this one so that they can answer this question for you. That's a big question. If you ask someone who knows you really well, how do you envision me making a contribution to the world? You might mess around and get some answers that have you tear up. You know, and this, this is the most important question um, that you, you, you make sure to not have them limited to just thinking about career. Some stuff may come back from that question of contribution about career, but some other totally different stuff that you never saw could come too. So make sure you like either record it or write that stuff down when you ask those questions too. I remember asking my mom that question. It was, I had quit a job. I was living at home. I had quit a job because I was miserable and I didn't have anything else lined up. And I was in a really, really bad place. This was probably like two years after college. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm not going back to doing what I was doing. And I was depressed and I was drinking a lot. And um, my mom came home from work one day and she was like, she said that what you're really good at is making people feel heard and understood. And this was long before I even thought about coaching, but I wrote that down and it stuck with me, you know, a couple of years later and I was really like diving deep and trying to find clarity. Um, so th like little stuff like that will, will come to you. And I mean, ask your kids, some of you guys have kids. Like I, I have my, not everybody knows this, but I have my first child due in December. I have a little boy coming. And so I can't wait until he can talk so I can have conversations with him. Like as soon as he can talk, when he's like two years old and be like, Hey, Tell me, tell me what daddy's good at, you know, tell me what I'm not good at. So really, really take that seriously and ask people those questions. I've had people get answers that literally change their lives. Um, oh, she, hold up. Where is it? Oh my God. Almost ripped a uh, branch off the plant. So this also, I like to show this because when my mom told me that, this is trippy, right? She told me that you're good at making people feel heard and understood. The next day she was out shopping at some random store and she was like, oh, I saw this. Um, I saw this statue. It's like someone, you know, pulling someone else up a ladder. And she was like, I don't know why, but just based on what we talked about yesterday, I just felt the need to grab this for you. I've had this thing for at least six years, it's gone with me everywhere. Like I moved from, to different states. I never lose sight of this thing. Like I'll be on a coaching call. I don't have this on my desk. Just like, you know, who would have known that everything that's happened since that conversation or since she brought that thing to me would have happened. So that's the type of stuff that happens when you ask people those questions. Um, so just a quick recap, and then I'll go into a couple of more things. Number one, the most important thing is start internally. Um, then the only really external thing you should be doing before you go start looking for opportunities is asking the people around you, um, then doing that who, what, and how, but that's part of the, the internal process. And then one thing I want to share with you guys is that you don't have to settle. Like I said, I started doing some career coaching recently and a lot of people think, okay, well, I'm pivoting industries or I'm shifting into something new. So a lot of what people will say to me is like, oh, I know I'm going to have to take a pay cut, but that's okay. I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it. I'm like, well, who says you have to take a pay cut? Like, you know, you can make a shift to do something totally new and make just as much money, if not more. So if you know what your non-negotiables are, not just your finances, but your lifestyle, like we talked about and 
you know, how you feel when you wake up in the morning, how you feel with the work that you're doing and the impact that it's having. If you have those clearly laid out, who says you have to compromise any of those things? You know, you may take opportunities or do things that don't check all the boxes, but ultimately you shouldn't settle on something if it's not everything you want it to be, you know? And I, I think that that's why we're all here, especially as athletes. Like we're, com we're competitors. We're always trying to get better. We're always learning new things. So having the mindset of like, I'm always going to be trying to level up and that's okay. And just being at peace with that. Like there's no finish line, you know, like we're all going to be, I can only speak for myself. I'm going to be on my deathbed, probably like trying to improve in some way, shape or form until my last breath. So if you look at it like that, I think it gives you a sense of peace of like, okay, I'm not, there is no there. You know what I mean? You're just constantly striving. Um, my uncle, back to my uncle, he told me one time to just, he was like, just play. Like you don't have to try to win life. You're not going to win life. You're going to take losses and you're going to have wins from day to day or week to week or month to month or year to year. Life is packed with wins and losses, but there's no like point where you can say, okay, I won. Like I'm, I'm complete. I'm finished. So if you take that approach to your mission, your purpose, your, you know, customization of your life, then it becomes, you're not putting as much pressure on yourself to be like, oh, I'm not there yet. It took me a long time to snap out of that, to be honest with you guys. I spent so many years being like, well, I want to help athletes, but I'm not making any money. Who cares? <laughs> so, you know, I'm still going to do it. I still want to do it. And if, if I decide one day that I don't want to do it, then I won't do it anymore. But like, there's no, you guys get where I'm going with that. Um, I want to just take a quick pause. I have a couple of other things, but does anybody want to share? None of you guys are going to need coaching for me. So I was going to, I thought there may be some other people who might need coaching on here. So I left space for that. But in place of that, does anyone just want to share what you're taking away so far or, you know, any personal experiences that you've had about anything that, you know, we've talked about? Um, hi, Taj. Nice to see you. It's been a while. Hey, Katie. Um, I, I, um, I love everything you're saying. And um, although I don't maybe need the coaching, my husband really does. I wish I, I wish I could get him to sign up with you. Um, <laughs> but he um, is stuck in this, um, you know, banking job that pays great and, you know, is kind of hits all the marks that I think he wanted to hit professionally that he kind of envisioned, but he like hates his job. Like he hates his life. Come this time of year, he's always really burned out. Um, he also coaches high school basketball. That's his real passion is coaching. He was a basketball player as well um, in college. And like I've been trying to figure out like, Oh, like how he is in line to take over as the head coach, um, probably in a couple of years, but, um, and he's like, so looking forward to that, but it's still not enough to really make ends meet, you know, as a high school basketball coach. So I'm like trying to like figure out how can he make that? Like, I guess like bridge that to where, I don't know, he can be that and that can be his, that would be his wake up, live, breathe, like not be a job to him at all. But it's like, there's this other piece of, like you said, kind of having to make the ends meet. Um, and I know you said like, who cares? Um, which I totally supported him in that. I'm like, you know, if you make that like your whole thing, I totally support that. But he, I think, there's a lot of like layers to that as like 
a man and a father and a, you know, provider that he's really having a, a hard time letting go of, of that, you know, piece of it. So I don't know. I, I don't know if you have any tips for, um, for someone in that situation where they know what they want to do, but it might just doing that maybe isn't enough to be, I don't know, financially stable. Yeah. So I have some, some follow-up questions. This is like a great scenario. So you said he's in banking, right? Yeah. What you said? Okay. And then outside of banking and coaching basketball, is there anything else that he does? Like not just to earn like for a living, but like recreational stuff, anything else that he does outside of those two things? Yeah. He volunteers a lot. Um, he does like rotary and Kiwanis. So he likes to volunteer, but even he was saying yesterday, he's like, man, I haven't volunteered in a long time just because with his full-time job and then basketball, there's not a lot of time left and you. He prioritizes spending time with us um, and the kids. So I know that's something he loves to do, but it's not, he's had to kind of put that on the back burner for now. Mm -hmm. All right. So a couple of suggestions and then this is, it's funny because we talked about him. These are just like, the, this is the starter pack. And I would love to talk to him, by the way. I'll, you know, we don't, he doesn't have to get his credit card out or anything for us to have a conversation. So we can, um, you actually talked to one of my career coaching clients recently. So thank you for doing that. Yeah. So I, owe you, I owe you one anyway. It was, uh, <laughs> I forget her name now. It's, it's escaping me. Um, yeah, you know, I do. Now I feel bad. <laughs> uh, okay. We both forgot. Now I don't feel as bad. <laughs> All right. So, um, the first thing I'm going to suggest is having him do that, like three by three exercise just to like open up more things. Cause just to tell you what, I, what I'm thinking right now, I think I'm assuming he makes great money. You know, he's in banking. So I would, if I was in his shoes and I can only speak from that perspective without talking to him and fleshing this out, I would try to take some of that money he's making and putting it into something that's passive, some sort of investment vehicle. I mean, obviously take your time and do your research, but instead of him trading time for money, I think he needs to take some of the, the income he's earning and try to put it into something that becomes a money machine, which frees him up to not have to worry about finances. And then he can just, for the love of basketball, continue to do that. And maybe that looks like, if it's not an investment, maybe it looks like taking some of that money and doing some sort of business around basketball. I don't know what that looks like. It could be camps or you know, training. Sky's the limit with what you can do in the world of basketball to create some sort of business around that which is going to take time, of course. But I think, you know, if you just, once again, coming back to like light at the end of the tunnel or having hope, if he's able to say, okay, I'm building this thing on the side, which will eventually have me not have to worry about the banking job anymore, even if it gets you close, right? If it's not the exact amount, but it's like, hey, we can live off of this and still be comfortable. That just frees up so much, like not only mental, but like emotional bandwidth to be like, ah, I don't have to worry anymore. I can just focus on, coaching yeah. um there's actually have you seen has he seen last chance you season two i don't think so i'll have to ask him i'll have there's to ask a, him there's a coach on there that it's really funny i think he should watch season two specifically so not coach john mosley not the main character but his assistant coach coach rob was in a very similar situation it's almost idea. it's like he was he wanted to coach at a uh, major school, but he was coaching high school basketball and then eventually became the head coach. And, um, you know, during the pandemic, there was no basketball, of course. So he was like, he set up like this side hustle. He was like selling masks or, or masks or something like that. It was, it was very random, but it created income and allowed him to not have to worry. And then he kept that business going. 
And then of course, being on Netflix helps with opportunities too, but you get my point. Like he was, I think watching that story will have him be super inspired. Um, but yeah. that's my, you know, off the top of the head advice. I'd love to talk to him in more detail. Um, in addition to doing like the three things, of course he needs to ask you, you could probably give him some really powerful stuff, you know, as his wife about, you know, his strengths, his weaknesses and his contribution to the world. But I would also have him do like the who, what, and how just to mm -hmm. see what else comes of it. There may be ideas that he hasn't considered yet that could come from just spending time. Cause it seems like he has so much going on. He hasn't really had time to think outside. Yeah. Of, you know, that's just my assumption. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Appreciate You're it. Welcome. And you can have him reach out to me. I mean it. Okay. We'll see. He's, you know, I know you said I could give him a lot of great advice, but it's about listening to your wife first, right? That's hard. Uh, yes. <laughs> Understood. That are coming from someone else like you. We'll see if I can get him on the call with you. This is true. Sometimes you got to talk to another man. I know what you mean. Uh-huh. <laughs> right. if I can uh, if I can add something on that as well. Sorry. Yes, sir. Sorry, I got my camera off here. You know, <laughs> so we're still working here in Texas, so um you know hanging in there but one of the one of the things that i really struggled with um and and personally have kind of found as a challenge too is like even regardless of the financial side it's the idea of identity too um and i think a lot of times in uh, kind of in our society specifically like there's a very big push on okay what do you do for a living what do you do to make money and it's and that's kind of you almost become that as opposed to becoming a more complex person who has multiple interests and multiple capabilities. So like one of the things that I had to kind of uh, understand as I transitioned from the coaching side to being on the administrative side more is recognizing like, Hey, just because my role looks different or just because I've shifted a little bit in terms of my responsibilities, it doesn't mean I have less of an impact. It doesn't affect how much I'm able to pour into these kids or have an, an effect on their lives. Um, and I think sometimes for me, that's, that's been something that's definitely gotten me through some challenging times is just being able to look at that and say, okay, at the end of the day, what I do professionally, it, it is what it is. Um, but what I do for these kids, what I do for these teams, uh, that's the thing that's going to have a legacy that's going to have an impact beyond just what I am as, you know, as an employee. Mm. That's good, Casey. Cause that ties into what, uh, what you were saying, Katie, about your husband, how it's not just the identity of banker it's the identity of provider husband father um basketball coach all these things are like you know that's a lot to manage from an identity perspective kind of like casey's saying so finding value in all of them casey real quick because i know you uh oh let's all right let's go to thomas i'll hit you up later casey thank you for sharing that uh no can you hear me okay yes sir yeah so i just wanted to share an experience and piggyback off you said about kind of when you alluded to it, just like knowing your worth. And I, I kind of experienced that when I was being courted because I've been in sleep medicine for a long time, uh, still working it, but um, I was courted as a clinical clinical sales rep for a company. And I kind of fell in that position to where I'm very involved in my daughter's athletics and extracurricular. And I was able to go to them and just say, okay, look, if, if we, if, if I can't be able to do this, you know, based off of what she's doing, then, then we can't have this conversation. So it was more, more of like customizing my lifestyle. And it took a lot for me because I come from a generation where I, I played summer pro football for seven seasons. And, you know, where it's just like, you don't, you do what you're told, you, you just go do it. Like you don't say anything back. Like you don't, you're not able to make demands. You can't do that. 
you know what I mean? And so I've, that's all I've been wired that way for so long. And so I was just kind of like, I, I had to, to rewire myself and have that mind shift um, where it's like, no, I, I can do that. You know, I, I can make demands. I can say, Hey, if you can't do this for me, then I can, then I'm not going to take this job because I didn't need it. You, you know what I mean? And so I, I think that, um, I think that, you know, people can take, that's something that people can take away from, you know, like their life experiences. Like, Hey, you can, you can rewire your mind and rewire yourself to be able to say, Hey, you know, I can, I can do these things. It's okay to make demands. It's okay to tell my job, Hey, I need, I need this. Otherwise this isn't going to work. Um, so I, that kind of, that really helped me open my eyes up to, you know, realizing what my worth is and what I, and what I can do. That's a phenomenal example, Thomas. Thank you for sharing that. Cause there's so many layers there. It's the fact that you, I definitely want to touch on the part where you said about not, you know, used to taking orders and not kind of like, we all come from that background. So, but the fact that like, you wouldn't have been able to do that if you didn't have your non-negotiables first, like you said, like I refuse to give up this time with my daughter. So if it's not that, then it's not going to work. It's either, you know, and I think having that approach, um, is what got you over the, or out of the mindset that we come from of like, just do what you're told, follow directions. The structure is already set for you to like, okay, now I have to create my own structure. There was a, you reminded me of a, a guy. Um, I had him on my podcast. His name is Jared Odrick. And he has a documentary out about like CTE. And it's a really fascinating documentary. But my point is based off of which you said, there's a point um, during the documentary where he's like, uh, he's talking about like, what you were just saying, like having our entire lives dictated. And he was like, man, I have the headset now. He's like, for so long, the coaches had the headset. He was like, I have the headset now. And I wanted the headset for a long, long time. And now that I have the headset, I'm going to do it my way. And that really struck, that really stuck with me because having that mindset, it just, man, I feel like I wish, I almost wish I would have had someone share that type of mentality with me sooner. I was waiting for someone to give me structure or someone to tell me what to do. Um, I know people have to go, so we'll, we'll jump off in a few, but thank you all for being here. Uh, does anyone else, thank you again, Thomas, for sharing that. Does anyone else want to share any thoughts or, or anything while we have this last five minutes or so? All right. It's just nice to see your face and congrats on the baby coming, Tosh. Thank you. Thank you. I know I've I'm been proud uh, of you. Thank you so much. I know I've been, I'm going to be showing my face a lot more. I just been trying to, <laughs> when I got the new, I was like, you know, we're excited. It was planned and everything, but it was kind of like, I don't have to tell you guys it puts you in a different mode. So I was just like, I'm stopping everything. I need to figure out what the plan is. Um, but I'll be back. I'll see you inside the community. I know a lot of you guys are already in the community. I'm going to get that thing going soon. Uh, all right. I want to share this and then I'll jump off and then, Miriam, Miriam, if you have anything, I'll leave the floor to you. This is the last thing I wanted to close with. Um, I want to read you guys one of my favorite quotes. So before I do that, though, I want to say, and, and Katie, this applies to your husband and anyone else who may be going through something like this. The And this is not the quote yet, but the choice to customize your lifestyle is one that you have to make every single day. Many of us on here are entrepreneurs. This is not like, okay, I'm just going to customize my lifestyle. Cool. And then you go back to living daily life. It's a decision that you make every, choose you, like Jalisa said, it's a decision that you make every single day to not settle for whatever you're given or whatever you can get. It's the choice every day to be able to say, I'm going to go out and create my life. I'm going to customize my lifestyle. I'm going to do it today and the day after that and the day after that, even when it sucks, even when it seems like nothing's happening, even when things get hard, I'm going to keep customizing my lifestyle. 
And so the quote that I wanted to leave, uh, leave you with, this is actually the first quote in my book. My book opens up with this quote. It's, by, uh, it's from Howard Thurman. And he said, don't ask yourself what the world needs. Ask yourself what makes you come alive and go and do that. Because what the world needs is more people who have come alive. Boom. There it is. All right. Thank you. Miriam, did you want to share anything before we jump off? Nitaj, no, thanks for uh, a great session, and, and I hope everybody enjoyed that. Um, you know, I was kind of off camera. It's uh, 11 p.m. for me, so I'm slightly Ooh. off <laughs> my plate. Uh, but yeah, no, thank you so much, Taj. Cool, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you to Athlete Soul. Oh, Q's, we, um, Q, who's in the room, I know he's probably working right now, but his session is, what's the date on that, Miriam? So Friday in a month's time, which will be, give me one second. Um, I feel like it's the 25th or the, hang on. Oh, sorry, the 4th, August 4th will be the next one. August 4th. Okay. Everybody, please make, Q did a, a workshop last time that I'm still implementing stuff from like the breath work and. There was a lot in there. But anyway, thank you guys. Hope you have a great rest of your Friday and a great weekend.